today we're starting this series, Wrecked. I guess it's a good day to start this Wrecked series, right? Finding God in the storm. So how about the first couple of weeks of The Blessed Life? That was pretty cool. And that was just the introduction to what's going to happen later in the year. We're actually going to finish that series. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be, the second part's going to be better than the first. And you want to be here when it's, when it's announced. You want to be here for all of that. Good? Are we excited? Are we awake? Are we glad to be here? All right. Well, let's go. This new series, Wrecked, Finding God in the Storm, is going to be the entire month of June. It's going along with our VBS theme, which is Shipwrecked. And who's excited about VBS? Come on. Come on. It is our single biggest event of the year. We prep for weeks for four days of work, and the kids that come have a phenomenal time. And the last couple of years, it's been pretty crazy awesome because we've actually had more staff members last year than kids. And I think my wife told me she's already up to like 25 committed kids to come this year, so I expect that to grow because there's going to be another church partner with us. So it's going to be a crazy VBS. Uh, when the call goes out to work, let's get together and work. And let's get this thing decorated. And if you haven't been to one of our VBSs, this place completely transforms into something else. And it becomes this wonderland of kid fun. And it's a place where they find Jesus. And, and that is, I think, one of the most important weeks of the year, if not the most important week of the year, because we're impacting young lives with the gospel. Amen. And that's what life is all about about. So let's find God in this storm. I could spend, we, when we get up here every Sunday, we could spend all of our time talking about how awesome everything is going to be when you begin following Jesus Christ. We could have messages like, it's your time, it's your season, you're coming into it, it's getting ready to be great, and I, I could spend all my time telling that you're going to be in abundance your whole life, and, and there's going to be nothing go wrong. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You've heard it, you've seen it. So if I spend all my time doing that, if I spend all of my time on those subjects, while they are true, you will come into goodness and you will be blessed and you can walk in favor, all that is true, I would be doing you a huge disservice. And you know I believe all that stuff. We are doing a series called Blessed Life, so you can't say I don't believe that stuff. You'd be going along, you'd be doing fine, you'd be like, it's coming, it's coming, favor's coming, abundance coming, money's coming, it's going to fall out of the sky. And I got a big basket to catch it. If money fell out of the sky, you'd have a big basket to catch it, wouldn't you? Did you hear about the, 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 the um, was, was a Brinks truck or a Wells Fargo truck that wrecked in, was it Indiana? And like hundreds of thousands of dollars went all over the road. It was like $600,000 that went in the road. And there were people jumping out of their cars. And trucking over there, and they were stuffing pockets and purses and whatever they had in their car with money, and they were gone. Enough so that the police had to, had to create this amnesty period that you could bring the money back without penalty. And believe it or not, they had all of it but like 100 grand. People like brought half a million dollars back. Hmm, what would you do in that situation? Faced with that decision, you had a Walmart bag in your car. You'd be dumping that shampoo and stuff out of that bag and jumping out and going to find some money. But that mindset would be like, 
like I'm, gonna, I'm going through life and everything's going to be grand. It's going to be perfect. And the first thing that happened to you that would be negative, you know what would happen? You would spin out. Well, this isn't what was preached about. This isn't what was promised to me. I can't believe this has happened to me. This is negative. I'm not supposed to have negative things happening because I'm following Jesus. Jesus will give you abundant life. He will give you a better life. He will give you hope for tomorrow. What he won't give you is perfection. I want to set realistic expectations. Your life, my life, will not be perfect. I'm sorry to, pro- to, to, to burst your prosperity bubble. I'm not sorry. Jesus said this, John 16, 33. I have told, we talk about this all the time. I've told you these things so that in me you can have peace. In this world you, he doesn't say might, maybe, could have. In this world you will have trouble. What happened to prosperity and blessing and overflow and favor and all those things. Just because you're in a trial doesn't mean you're not in favor. Just because you have something difficult happen doesn't mean you're not blessed. Don't, don't, don't tie those two together all the time. You can be blessed and have a trial. You can be in favor and have something crazy bad happen to you. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will That's definitive. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The King James of this version of this says you will have tribulation. That's a stronger word than trouble. That kind of scares me. Because tribulation can get ugly. You read about tribulation in the Bible, it's nasty. Tribulation is rough. That's what King James says. So let let me do my, the Scott version of this scripture. You will get wrecked. You will get wrecked. You will have storms. That's Scott 1-1. That doesn't sound like perfection, does it? It's not a perfect life. It's a blessed life. Okay? So, don't freak out. This is Jesus. Don't freak out. Don't throw in the towel. I had it all too, and I won. And through him, because he endured that... Through him, because he won, we get to win as well. So today we're going to begin a journey, and we're going to arm ourselves with the Word of God to help us through these times that when it seems like hell jumps up at us and punches us in the mouth or the gut, that we will win. Today, we're going to talk about being lonely. Let's get real, okay? We all, wear, we, we all put a mask on. We all put a face on that says, I'm good. I'm all right. I've got this. No, there's nothing wrong. My world is grand, don't we? Who's ever been lonely? Who's never been lonely in your entire life? Nobody brave enough to raise their hand because you know you didn't raise your hand the first time, so you're just not. <laughs> We've all been lonely there there have been times where where we feel incredibly isolated by ourselves no one understands no one gets us no one's going through what we're going through nobody's ever had to endure what we're enduring right now yeah we're coming right down the middle 
You can't dodge this. We've had those feelings. There's no use because nobody can relate to what I'm going through, and, and nobody cares. There's nobody to pick me up. There's nobody to talk to me. There's nobody that's ever been through what I'm going through in the history of man. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It said that you're not going to go through anything that somebody else hasn't gone through. So that's, let's debunk that right now. Everybody's been through, not everybody, people have been through what you're going through. And when you come through it, you can help the next person coming through it. Okay? There you go. Let's just get real. Nobody understands. Nobody gets me. Moments, how about moments where, you, where you've been betrayed? Somebody's lied on you. Somebody's taken a dagger, the proverbial dagger, not a literal dagger, and they've stuck it so hard and so deep between your shoulder blades that there's no hope of getting it out and you're scarred for life. They did you wrong. They lied on you. They cheated you. They stole from you. They ruined your reputation. Maybe they got you fired. Maybe they got you put in jail. I don't know, but somebody hurt you, and at that moment, you felt lonely. You felt betrayed. How about feeling completely alone in a crowded room? You may be here today and feel like that you are all by yourself in what you're going through and that no one in this room can relate to what you're feeling right now. And what I'm saying right now, you think I'm crazy because you, you think nobody cares, nobody, is, is, nobody will invest in you, nobody wants to see you, nobody wants to know what you're going through, that we all want the can answer. I'm, it's good. I'm good, man. How are you? How you doing? Good. How you doing? Awesome. Those are easy words to say. Because sometimes we don't want to puke up all the ugly that we're feeling. Is that real enough? Or maybe sometimes we feel like the person that we're talking to, they don't really care. Or they don't want to hear the truth. Or that they can't handle the truth. It's quiet, right? Because we feel those things. And when we start talking about real issues like that, we get quiet. Because we think if we say something, they're going to think that we're feeling that. And we don't want people to know what we're feeling, that we feel alone, that we feel betrayed, that we feel isolated. They are real feelings. They are real feelings. We were created not to be isolated, not to be by ourselves. We were created for companionship. We were created for community. God saw that Adam was alone. He created Adam, the first dude to ever walk the planet. He created him. And the Bible says God saw that he was alone. He had the responsibility of naming all the animals, and God gave him dominion over all the earth. And God saw, imagine, the power that Adam had. He named a snake a snake, and a giraffe, and a turtle, and, a, and whatever else. He named those things. He got to call them that for the first time. So power doesn't soothe loneliness. Position doesn't soothe loneliness. Having everything doesn't soothe loneliness because God created us to need somebody else. And we think that needing someone is a weakness. 
We think that if we need somebody or we want to depend on somebody or we have or this person is our better half and they make us a whole person, we think that that shows us as being weak when all it does is fulfill what God created us to be. And that's dependent on somebody else. So he saw that Adam was all by himself and he was lonely, so he created Eve. And that was the basis of the first relationship ever in the world. And that's the same pattern God used throughout time and, and still uses and will forever use is the union of a man and a woman. He was lonely, and the pattern was set for relationships. We need people, period. Who's ever said, I don't need anyone? I don't need anybody. I don't have to have anybody. I can do this all by myself. Said in a moment of bitterness. Said in a moment of hurt. Said in a moment of anguish. Said in a moment where somebody has betrayed you or you failed at something. I don't need anybody. I'll just do it by myself. Said out of reaction to something negative that happened to you. You do need people. You can say you don't, but you do. Psychology Today said friendship is a lot like food. We need it to survive. Who needs friends? Who, who knows that you need some people around you in community helping you, making you better, telling you when you're stupid? Yeah, that's called accountability. That's called what the Bible calls iron sharpening iron. We are built for community. God wired us for relationships. First with him, then with each other. What do the first two commandments represent? Jesus said the first and second commandments are the most important ones. What are they? To love God with everything that you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the greatest two commandments according to Jesus. So I'll take that as gospel. The first two commandments, what do they deal with? Relationship and community. Relationship and community with Jesus Christ and relationship and community with all you guys and anybody that I come in contact with. You can't love without relationship. You can't love without community. So let's do this backwards. We normally go straight to our relationship with God. Let's talk about our relationship with people first. They can be complicated. People can be complicated. Not me, right? And not you. But people can be complicated. There can be some drama Sometimes. Some of y'all are like, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not dramatic. There's no drama surrounding me. And some of y'all are like, you got somebody this fits, don't you? It's not you, but you, you know somebody. People are complicated and drama ensues. Relationships and, and people can be tricky. We can be on one minute and off the next. We can be happy this morning, but something happened. And man, by this afternoon, the sky is falling. Woe is me. The world is ending. I'm never going to get it right. The other day, I, I woke up and I was in a good mood. And, and, and I, was, I was driving down the road and stuff was okay. And and everything was, you know, going along like it always does, and it's all good. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, and it's all good. And I'm driving. And, man, a couple things happened, and I, 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 I didn't realize this for about an hour and a half. But I felt my mood began to deteriorate. 
with a phone call, with a text message, with getting the mail, with whatever got me there on that path, I felt my mood begin to deteriorate. And it was about an hour and a half, two hours, and I realized that my mood wasn't what it was that morning. And my situation had completely dictated my mood. Anybody else go through stuff like that sometimes? <laughs> I got some finger pointing going on here. <laughs> we go through stuff like this because we are emotional beings, but understand that we are created in the image of God. We are created. You. Everybody say, I, I am created in the image of God. He loves you so much, he knows how many hairs are on your head. Even if you shave your head, he knows how many hair follicles are there. Some less than others. Some of us are follically challenged. But when our moods change, it can affect our relationships. Who becomes a bear when your mood changes? I told you, it's, it's, it's real, it's, it's right here today in our face. If we're not careful when our mood begins to shift and our mood begins to change and somebody hurts us and we feel a little bit isolated, we feel a little bit alone, we're going to lash out and hurt the ones who love us the most. Anybody? Because they're the ones closest to us so they're the ones in the line of fire. They're the ones that have to endure our wrath when we feel insecure. When we feel angry or bitter because of those emotions that we're feeling, we feel by ourselves and we feel alone and like nobody cares. We can be hard to love. Some more than others. You may have a thousand friends or you may have one. Doesn't matter. We need community. I personally believe that Facebook has diminished the meaning of friendship. Facebook's okay. We use it. It's a good tool. Post on it. That's cool. But we can have a thousand friends on Facebook and be lonely. We can have a thousand friends on Facebook but be lonely. We can have a thousand friends and not have one person to confide in. Or reach out to for help. Friendship and companionship require more investment than hitting the like button on a post. Or upgrading it to the heart for love. Well, I love this post. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Relationship requires more commitment and more investment than just liking a post or being Facebook friends. They require conversation. They require being there for each other. They require having each other's backs, wanting the best for that person. Who's ever felt that pang of jealousy when, when your best friend gets something you want? Or you get something and then, I'm not talking about them going out and buying something to one-up you. No, not that. That's wrong. That's not a good friend. But you get something and, and man, God blesses them and, and they, get a, 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 they get a promotion and now they're making more money than you. And you get, that, you get those feelings. We don't want to admit to those feelings, do we? Because those aren't nice. We know those aren't nice feelings to feel. 
But friendship, true companionship and friendship means that when you get a promotion and make more money than me, I'm happy for you. And that when your car smells more new than mine, and when your car is prettier than mine, has less dings and fewer miles and better wheels, I'm happy for you. Because you do you and I'll do me and we'll, and we'll live in harmony. How's that? We'll, we'll, do, we'll do this. We'll, we'll live this light that God has given us. We'll be there for each other. We'll lift each other up. We'll cheer each other on. But we'll also hold each other accountable so that we're all doing the right thing and being better for it. That's what a relationship is. That's what friendship is. It's not just liking something on the end. We're going to have to go back, and we're, we're about a generation away from anybody having a clue what etiquette is. When, when, you, when you say, when somebody says thank you, how, how often do you get a you're welcome? How often does, honestly, how often does that happen? We get a mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Yep. We're losing the ability to interact with humans intelligently. That's just a side street and tangent that irritates me. But a relationship, a commitment to friendship, to keep people from being isolated, to keep people from being lonely, requires more than short bursts of interaction. It requires real communication and conversation. And that's what develops a relationship. Is there any wonder that prayer fosters the relationship with God? It's more than telling him what you want. It's more than praying a list. It's more than just coming to church on Sunday morning. A relationship doesn't happen with you sitting here. It happens with you talking to him and then shutting up so he can talk to you. Too many times we get caught in, a, in, in this loop of just praying God our list. And then we wonder when we feel, why we feel lonely and we wonder why we can't interact and communicate with God effectively because we're always just do you have a friend that just comes and tells you I want this and this and this and this and that's it they walk away no because we don't have we don't keep friends like that that just constantly take 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 and they never invest who's had friends that make withdrawals out of you that they have made the deposits to, to fulfill I got a finger point going on again. Y'all are fun. We've got to. <laughs> we got to get this relationship thing down because it's not just about you and me. It's about me and God. Everything that God wants to have with us or wants us to have with each other, he's modeled and he's put out there as a pattern. We've got to invest in each other and, and want the best for each other. Why are we talking about being lonely? Because the path, the pain of loneliness can, can drive us to negative behavior. The pain of loneliness can drive us to negative behavior. It can trigger, it can be a trigger to set us back when we're on a good path. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It can be a trigger to set us back. Loneliness can cause depression. It can create addiction and even cause suicide. That's why we're talking about being lonely. 
It's not just, oh, I want to have a lot of friends. God created us to live in community and to have and to forge relationships. And when we don't do that, it creates negativity and bad things in our life. If we don't have the proper things in place, the negative things will take over and put us on a negative and a wrong and a bad path. And we find ourselves wrecked and lonely and we're enduring pain and we feel isolated we got to find god somewhere and we got to look through the haze and find god and get back on the right track and that's what we're going to do we need relationships have you have you ever heard around here that that real life change happens in the context of relationships if you've been through go trek you've heard it real life change happens in the context of relationships if you haven't been through Grow Track, session one and two will happen the second Wednesday of this month. So that's your chance. We all need relationships. God didn't create us to be lonely. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If you want friends, be friendly. Don't be Oscar the Grouch. You got to be friendly. You got to put yourself out there a little bit. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. First, be friendly, but the second part right there is special. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus was called the friend of sinners. Who's a sinner? Jesus is your friend. Jesus is my friend. That's it. Jesus is our friend. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that is Jesus Christ. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. That's special. That's pretty amazing that, that Jesus said he's going to call us friends and not servants. So you are a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my friend. I challenge you to go home today and get on YouTube. I got two people saying yes, because you know what I'm going to say. And search on YouTube, Jesus is my friend. It'll be a good laugh for you. That's all I'm going to say. But it's significant. Who's going to do that? There you go. It's significant that Jesus calls us friends. Because why? Because we're built for friendships. This is the most important one that you will ever have. Your relationship with God is the most important thing that you will ever do in your entire life. I saw somebody this morning post on Facebook that your relationship with God is the most important relationship you'll ever have. And that is entirely the truth. It is the most, the single most important thing that you will ever do in your life, and nothing that you have in this world, no other relationship, no other person comes close to it. Not your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife, your husband, your kids, your mom and dad, grandparents. No one is more important than your relationship with God. Why? Because my relationship with you may affect me for a week, a month, a year, or even my entire life, but my relationship with Jesus Christ affects my eternity. You can't touch my eternity. You may make me happy right now, 
But you can't touch me when I'm dead. You can't touch my future when I'm dead. You can't touch my future when the world ends. And it will. Some are like deer in the headlights right now. There will be an end to what we have right now. There will be an end to what we know as earth and, and, and our world and our nation. It will happen. Will I be alive to see it? I don't know. It looks like I might be. We'll see. But I know one thing. If it ends, to, if it ends today, I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? If not, we can talk. Scripture uses references, and it uses comparisons to the most intimate relationships we have as humans to illustrate how God desires to have a relationship with us. He calls us friends. Think about your very best friend in the world for, that you've ever had. Does that give you warm fuzzies? Not that they betrayed you, but if, if, they, if you still have this friend or have, they just grew apart or moved away or whatever, and you had this really great best friend, or maybe you still have them, it'll give you the warm fuzzies. So the Bible uses that representation of a relationship with somebody that, that to mirror a relationship with Jesus Christ, because he calls us friends, and we're friends of God. And then he, he talks about the relationship between husband and wife, and that, that we're the bride and he's the bridegroom. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it uses pictures of relationships like that to illustrate to us what kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. But our fast, who lives a fast-paced life? Yeah, it's crazy, man. We all do. In our crazy, hectic, busy lives, it's more and more difficult to have an effective, intimate relationship with Jesus. Why? What does a relationship with Jesus require? Time. Investment. Commitment, communication, study of his word. Those things require time. And with so many things pulling at us and vying for our time, and we have less and less of it. It's harder for us to have the intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that we have. And sometimes we, we go from, I'm sure none of y'all have ever been guilty of this, but we go through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we don't really focus on our relationship with Jesus. We come back Sunday morning and we, 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 get, we get our hit. And it happens again, and we come back next Sunday morning, and, say, and, and, and we get our fix. And before you know it, we're just Sunday morning junkies. Ouch. It's right here. See, a real relationship. If, if I just see Tawana for an hour and... 15 minutes on Sunday morning, and I don't see her, I don't talk to her, I don't text her, there's no communication between us, and we, we do that for six months, how close are we going to be? Jesus compared our relationship as friends and as husband and wife. And if I do those things, if I behave in that manner where I only see her for an hour and 15 minutes once a week, for an extended period of time, I'm not, I'm not going to have much of a marriage because we're going to experience things Monday through Saturday that neither one of us know about that an hour and 15 minutes isn't enough time to catch up on. We're going to have interactions with people. Things are going to happen to us. Our opinions about things are going to change. We're going to have new favorite things. And as that happens week after week after week, we're going to start growing like this. 
and our relationship will suffer. No, I've got to spend time talking to her on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, on Thursday, Friday and Saturday and on Sunday. Now, see, it's super quiet now. But if I don't do that and if I don't make that investment in my relationship, I'm not going to have a relationship. So if God uses friendship in the Bible to talk about our relationship with him, if he uses marriage in the Bible to talk about our relationship with him, those are very important relationships. And we can, we can definitely see if we don't maintain those things, if we don't invest ourselves in those relationships, they're not going to be there or they're going to be very casual. Like, hey, how are you doing? Good. And that's going to be the depth of it. We were built to have relationships. Friends and family can disappoint us. They can hurt us. They can wound us. All those things. And it makes us feel sometimes isolated. It makes us feel lonely. It makes us feel not wanted. We can have all those feels and have all those emotions. But there's something, there's a couple things the scripture says. You, you don't have these, Daniel. Matthew 28 says Jesus will be with us to the end of the world. That he will be with us to the end of the world. Hebrews 13 says that he will never leave us. You have promises from God. If I make you a promise, that's awesome, that's cool. We can build on that and we can go. But you don't have any guarantees that I'm not going to back out of my promise. You just don't. Something could happen. You could irritate me. I'd be like, okay, I'm out. Gone. But when we get a promise like this in Scripture, we know that God will never, ever, ever leave us. I can have a rocky moment with my spouse. My best friend may irritate me or I may irritate him. But I know there's one constant in my life. That will never, ever change. What scriptures say? What can separate us from the love of God? Persecution, height, depth, trial, situation, circumstance, nothing. Nothing can separate us. There's stuff that can separate me in relationship from God, but nothing can separate me from the love of God nor his desire to have a relationship with me. Nothing can change how he feels about me and how he looks toward me. God's always there. He's ready to listen. He's ready to help. He's ready to step in and do what I can't. When my world overwhelms me, he's my peace. When my world overwhelms me, he's my peace. When I want to quit, he's my encouragement. When I think I'm not good enough and I'm weak, he's my strength. And when I'm lonely, when I'm isolated, he's my closest friend. He is my closest friend. So why still are we talking about this? You may be surrounded by a great support system, and maybe you've never experienced loneliness. If not, that's awesome, and I'm truly incredibly happy for you. But the rest of us, the rest of us have experienced, and maybe right now, maybe right now you're simply wrecked by loneliness in the, in the middle of the biggest storm of your life. Scripture says that I have a high priest that is touched by all of my feelings and all of my emotions. Simply put, God feels what I feel. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything 
that concerns you. The King James says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. That's how awesome God is, and that's how much he cares about what we feel. If you think that you don't matter, if you think that your feelings don't matter to God, well, there you go. He is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. He doesn't want us to be lonely. He doesn't want our health harmed or for us to be driven to bad decisions. He doesn't want that for us. He designed us to have relationships, to have support systems. He designed us for companionship and for community. So don't suffer in silence. Don't suffer in silence and don't live life alone. John Don said, no man is an island. No one is self-sufficient and everyone relies on others. No one is self-sufficient. And yes, that means you and the person sitting in front of you and the person sitting behind you. Are we our brother's keepers? Yes, we are. If you see somebody going through this, don't just keep walking. Grab them by the hand and pull them along with you and help them get out of the spot that they're in. And hopefully when, when, you get, when you get in that spot, I didn't say if, because in this world you will have trouble. You will, you will feel isolated, and you will feel alone. And I pray that somebody grabs your hand and pulls you out of it too. Maybe your storm today is one of isolation. Maybe you're incredibly lonely. I don't know. Perhaps you feel depression creeping up on you. Maybe you're making poor decisions because you're already lonely and nobody sees you. Maybe you feel wrecked. I don't know. Maybe you felt like following Jesus would be more than this and better than this and all your, all your troubles and all your worries would go away. I don't know. I can't tell you everything will be perfect because it won't. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I can introduce you to abundant life. I can, and I would love to. I can introduce you to a hope for a better tomorrow. Bless you. Scripture says two are better than one. Scripture says where two people agree on one thing, it'll be done. Scripture says where two or three gather in my name, that's where I'm going to be. He didn't say where you are, it's where I'm going to be. He said where two or three will gather, that's relationship, that's community. Two are better than one, that's relationship, that's community. We're built, all these references were built to be together because we're stronger together. So what can we do? If we're all wrecked and we're in this storm of loneliness, I'm glad you asked me that question because I want to help you through it. I'm going to give you three things and then we're going to pray. Three things. First thing is strengthen your relationship with God. It is the most important thing in your life. It's the principle of first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek God first. You ask him for a relationship that you need. Ask him for healthy relationships and healthy friendships. You can help anybody, but you better have good close friends. Why? Because show me your five closest friends, and I will show you your future. Show me your five closest friends, and I'll show you what you're going to become. If you want, if you want to be wealthy, have five wealthy friends. If you want to be a bum... Have five friends that are bombs, and you're going to get there. 
If you want to do well, surround yourself. If you want to be better than what you are, surround yourself with people who are better than what you are at what you want to be good at. And you'll get there. Show me your five closest friends and I will show you your future. It's proven over and over and over again. Yes, reach out and help and touch anybody that will accept your help. But surround your close circle needs to be good, strong people that will help you and that are going where you want to go. Or maybe they're already there and you're trying to catch up to them. Good friendships. Everything good will come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Strengthen that first. Develop a relationship and not a prayer list. There's a difference. Develop a relationship and not a prayer list. Practice the principle of first. Seek God first. Really put him first in your life and ask him for healthy relationships, and that will come. That's the first thing. Strengthen your relationship with God. The second thing is push yourself out of your comfort zone. Who's ever wanted to talk to somebody and, and, and develop a relationship with somebody, but you just were way too introverted, way too uncomfortable to even approach somebody and talk to them? Yeah, we all have. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Talk to people. Initiate conversation. Stop waiting for the other person and ask somebody else to go have coffee or an ice cream or whatever it is you want to do. Ask them first. The second thing is push yourself out of your comfort zone. The third thing is join a small group. Join a small group. Relationships are built in small groups. And life change happens in the context of what? Relationships. So life change happens where? In small groups. Relationships are built in small groups. Life change happens in the context of relationships. So therefore, life change happens in small groups. Join a small group. Find a small group. We have larger ones and we have smaller ones. This, so this, this Wednesday is the first Wednesday of the month. There will be a men's small group in this room at 7 o'clock. And it's got good buzz and energy going right now. It's, it's going to rapidly expand. We're, we're going to do some cool things and talk about some cool things. We're going to go to a meat processing place and see a butcher do his magic. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Join a small group. Develop relationships. 